Okay, you guys, here we go. She runs Ultras episode 90, the big nine zero. And in this episode, I want to talk about your ability to believe in yourself hard. (laughs) The concept of imposter syndrome came up during last night's run your first 50k group call. And I got really fired up about this topic. I mean, I get really fired up about a lot of things especially as relates to ultras, but definitely about mindset and your beliefs about you and what you're capable of. So obviously we're going to talk about it here. (laughs) Uh, I'm pretty sure you probably know what imposter syndrome is, but here's just my sort of quick definition on it. I think about it as the, the time or how you feel when you think that you're not qualified to do the thing that you want to do or that you're actually already doing, right? I have this thought um, when I'm sort of really battling through imposter syndrome that I'll eventually be found out. <laughs> That someone will finally realize that I'm not actually an ultra runner, that there'll be some sort of glitch in the matrix and all of my ultra sign up race results or any race that I've ever done will be wiped from the universe and my status as an ultra runner will be removed. (laughs) And then everyone will know that I'm not who I say I am. Obviously, this is not true. This is just your brain playing tricks on you, but it's really common, especially with women. And I've experienced it in my ultra running journey personally. And I see a lot of it again, especially with women in the run your first 50 K groups. And here's why. Okay. When you're doing something new, something that you've never done before, your brain wants to look for evidence that you can do it ahead of time, right? It's sort of looking to your past to see whether or not you're capable of doing it in your future, which on the basic premise makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) Because if you could do it, you probably would have done it already. And so you wouldn't be trying to do it now. And it wouldn't be new to you and your brain wouldn't be looking for evidence. It would just be doing what it had already done. So this is because our program, our brains are programmed to try and keep us safe, right? So it's looking for evidence, trying to show you that like either you've done it before and we know the path to take, or if you haven't done it before, it's saying, "Mm, we've not done this before. Maybe we should just ditch this idea because we don't know what it's going to be like. (laughs) So going out and doing a race that's much tougher or much longer than anything you've done in the past will for sure trigger that primitive part of your brain into what I sort of am calling safe mode. Okay. And this begins the questioning, the self-doubt, the fear, the uncertainty, all of that fun stuff that if you leave it unchecked, will most certainly derail your training and your ultra goals in one fell swoop. Okay. Now, not many people talk about this openly because they're worried that they'll be the only ones struggling with this. They, they, They think that they're an isolated incident, that they're the only ones, that no one else could possibly understand or be going through these same things. But I would like to go on the record and say that everyone goes through this at some point or another. If they tell you otherwise, they're either flat out lying or they're a straight up delusional psychopath (laughs) because it's part of the process. I haven't met a single person that has gone from being a just quote unquote normal everyday runner to being an ultra runner who hasn't experienced some level of self-doubt, concern, fear, overwhelm, all the things. All right. So if you're experiencing this right now, I got you. 
All right, just hang in there with me. I'm going to sort of talk you through some simple ways that you can begin to work on this. When I was making some notes about this podcast episode, I remember very vividly the first time that I did the ragged stage race and there was a pre-race meeting the night before. I didn't know a single soul that was doing this race. So for me, that was going way out on a limb. Like, oh, here, I'll just sign up to this race that I know nobody. And oh, by the way, it's three days of back-to-back running. Okay. I remember sitting in the back of the room, just praying that no one would come and talk to me so that I wouldn't have to go through like the, you know, small talk chit chat and that no one would ask me the question, have you done this race before? Or is this your first time? I didn't want anyone to know that I was a newbie and I didn't want anyone to know that I had no idea if I was going to be able to do three back-to-back days of 20 plus mile running. And as I think back on it, I can see how this feeling of the imposter syndrome has hit me every time that I was sort of leveling up and going to a new or longer distance. I mean, it happened when I went from 50K to 50 miles. It happened when I went from 50 miles to DNFing 100K. It went. It happened when I was going for my first 100 miles and I DNFed at 75 miles. It happened again when I was going for another 100 miles. And it for sure, <laughs> for sure showed up when I hit sign up for Tahoe 200, <laughs> okay? And when I DNFed, It triggered all that self-doubt, sort of like the, what were you thinking type of thoughts, all those things that, you know, your brain offers up and they sort of come back with a vengeance. Now you have to remember that I grew up, I've talked about this before, but I grew up thinking that I had to be good at everything, regardless of whether or not I had done that thing before. I didn't want anyone to see me fail back then. The word failure was like a curse word. right? I was a terrible loser. I didn't want to play a game unless I knew that I would win, which meant my world was very limited. And I didn't want to appear as though I didn't know what I was doing. So put all that together and I'm a prime freaking target for imposter syndrome. So I talk about it because I have experienced it firsthand. (laughs) So I am right there with you. And when I took up ultra running, it was a rough, hard road for me for a long time. I I'm, I made a post, I think it was in my stories the other day. I think I reposted someone else's something. And then I referenced how if you haven't ha- been out on a run and had a good long cry, <laughs> how cathartic it was. But like, I can remember many, many, many runs where I was just out there crying <laughs> trying to decide if I should keep going or just abandon the whole thing altogether and just sort of take all my gear, go home, lick my wounds and pretend like it never happened. Luckily, I decided to keep going, but that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast. And I'm most certainly off on a tangent right now. So let's circle back. I want to go back to this uh, idea that I seeded about giving you a process that you can follow to help when you begin to work through your own thoughts and feelings of doubt and uncertainty and just, just sort of plug it into this greater bucket of imposter syndrome. I sort of touched on this earlier, but the first thing I want you to know and understand as you sort of work through this is you're not alone, okay? Like I said before, I know everyone 
has some form of these thoughts happening in various stages, regardless of whether they talk about them or not. It's totally normal. And if you start to notice this tick up, maybe it hasn't happened to you before, right? Because if you're sort of working from five to 10K to half to full, like you might get a little bit of this, but when you set a really big, scary goal, you guys, this sort of stuff is going to happen. If it doesn't happen, that's great. I don't want to like force you into this like bucket where you're going to get imposter syndrome and then you freak out about the imposter syndrome before it's even happened. But I'm just sort of like shining a flashlight into some of these deep, dark recesses of your brain and into ultra training so that you're prepared for what might happen. Because there's nothing worse than being broadsided or blindsided by this thing. Okay. So it's totally, totally normal. You're on the right track. If it starts to kick in when you begin to contemplate your first ultra, your big first scary goal, or perhaps, and this is sort of what happens to me after you hit the sign up now button, it's like, hello, I'm here. (laughs) But honestly, it can pop up at any time. Those are just like two instances where I really notice them in my world. The second thing I want you to know is that the best thing you can do is to shine a light on it. So what I normally do is I write down my thoughts. I talk about it with friends. I talk about it on the podcast, right? Maybe maybe you even, or sometimes I even post about them on social media. And I just want to also say that if you don't have anyone that you think will understand and you're not quite at the point yet of wanting to post on social media, you can for sure email me. Okay. You can sort of use me as a conduit to sort of vent these things, but shine a light on them because when you get this stuff outside of your head, it really starts to lose its chokehold on you. Because if you're just swirling these thoughts around in your head, it's, it's an echo chamber And the momentum of those thoughts and those things are just going to build and build and build and build until it gets to the point where you've basically talked yourself out of whatever the thing is. And that's not the result that we want. Okay. So shine a light on them. And then the last thing, and I think it's the most fun and most important thing is to start to cultivate your own internal hype squad. Now, I shared a a clip of our Run Your First 50K group call on my Instagram feed the other day where I told the story about how I got through my massive imposter syndrome around Tahoe. And my strategy for this was believing in myself so hard that if you were able to get inside my head and hear my thoughts, you would probably think I was certifiable. Every day I got up and just kept talked myself through everything. <laughs> I was my own thoroughly obnoxious hype, hype squad because honestly I had to be. I didn't know if I could do this thing. I had no clue. I had no evidence. I had, I had no roadmap. I mean, I can, you can listen to all the other people's podcasts that you want. You can read all the articles. You can do all the Google searches. You can watch all the YouTube videos, but Until you actually do the thing, you have no freaking idea if you can do the thing. So what I came to understand was that even though I had people in my life that were cheering for me, I had to go like above and beyond 
because this goal was so far and beyond anything that I'd done up to this point that my brain was working overtime to try and tell me that there was no way in hell that I was going to be able to finish this race. I mean, like, I, I think this just happens with everybody when you level up to that next thing. So I don't want to, I don't want to say like, oh, when you get to 200 miles, like it's, you know, just this, this big, huge imposter syndrome monster. But I, I do think that as you level up, there's this like saying, new level, new devil. I don't know where I got it from, but I've heard it a lot. I think it, I think it definitely applies to ultras and to imposter syndrome as we're talking about it here. So my brain was sort of working overtime, thinking about all the factors that are working against me. Distance, time, elevation, environment, time zone. Like, I don't know what the course is. There are animals out there. <laughs> if you could have heard the number of times that Frank and I were talking about um, mountain lions, <laughs> like I wasn't worried about the bears. Everybody else out there was worried about the bears. I was worried about the mountain lions. Luckily, didn't see any of it. But my brain was working overtime to try and tell me that this was a horrible idea because of all of these factors. And every time my brain presented me with a new problem, what I had to do was counter it with a solution, a way that I was going to train for or overcome that problem in real time. And so I chose to believe in myself so hard on a daily basis that there was no other possible outcome for me other than to finish that freaking race. I'm trying not to swear, but it feels very disingenuous. (laughs) And so I executed the same strategy during the actual race. And I actually talked about on the group call about how I sort of envisioned myself having this force field or bubble around me so that nothing could get in it. And I want to offer that as a strategy for you too, not only during your training, but also in the actual race. So I wasn't allowing one iota of negativity within Uh, like 10 foot radius of me because, and look, I know this sounds silly, but for me, that was what was, is, was required because I just knew that it was a slippery slope of negative self-talk that was going to like force me out of this race. And I was not going to let that happen. I mean, I've seen people talk themselves out of a race when they were doing just fine running right alongside me. Okay. Your brain is a super powerful thing, you guys, and you can harness it to direct your energy towards where you want to go. But you first have to become aware of what those thoughts are that are permeating your brain and taking up all of your time and space. So if you keep repeating to yourself, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, then yeah, you sure as shit don't know. (laughs) And how are you going to be able to take action from that place? It's going to feel very ungrounded. You're going to be lost and confused dazed and confused. And you won't know where to go and what to do next because you'll constantly be questioning yourself. And so this is where that imposter syndrome comes in. The way that I combat that is to start to just be my own hype squad every day. Yes. What's on the plan for today? Yes. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to do all those things. And then at the end of the day, we're going to have a look at it and say, uh, like objectively, how did we do sort of remove the emotion from it? Did we execute to the best of our ability? What was on, what was it on a scale of one to 10? 10 being amazing, one being really subpar. 
give myself a score and then use that going forwards into the next day. Okay, how can I win this day? And when you start to stack those up, that's what moves you forwards into the training. So I really don't look at it on a macro level. I boil it down to the micro level every day, every hour, every minute, every second, every decision. Am I just making it from a really positive place? Like, yes, you've got this. Or is it coming from, fucked if I know. Right? Like, I don't know. I guess I'll just try this and see what happens. Like, there are two ways, two paths that you could go down. I would choose the more upbeat one. (laughs) So, basically, that's what I did. And I also didn't look outside myself for evidence that I could do it. And this is a this is something I used to do a lot of when I first started. I used to ask other people their what they thought, what their opinion was, and what I learned is it wasn't helpful because then I just had all this information that I didn't know what the hell to do with. I was like, okay, well, what do I do with that piece of information? How does that get incorporated into my training? Well, so and so thinks this, and they've done that. So, and it's just like it becomes too much. It's way too much noise. So, I just started to tune out the noise and I started to believe in myself hard and you should start to believe in yourself hard, even if it feels totally and completely irrational at first. I felt like a crazy person some days. I would like go out on a run and be like, you are an amazing 200 mile finisher. I haven't done it yet, but like I needed to start operating as if in order to generate that momentum that I needed to train and to show up every day and to do the hard work that it was going to take to get there. If I tried to do it from a place where I was constantly trying to push myself uphill, like trying to push that big heavy rock uphill, eventually my muscles would get tired and I would just be overcome by this rock. But instead, what I tried to do was sort of my friend Steve will get this analogy and he will, he will love it. And he will also hate it because it's a memory he brings up often. Um, think about somebody like you're running a race and there's someone in front of you running backwards, like cheering you on for the entire race. So they're looking you eye to eye and you're running, you're doing your thing. And they're just your hype squad facing you, cheering you on the whole way. Okay. That's what I was trying to do with myself. So I was trying to be that person in front of me that I could just lock eyes with and be like, okay, you believe in me? Okay, awesome. Let's do this. So hard that it was completely irrational. If you were to have been able to tap into my thoughts and hear what was going on in my brain, you would have been like, this chick needs to be admitted. (laughs) But I'll tell you what, it did the trick. Okay. Because there's going to be obstacles that will inevitably pop up along the way when you're going for your first or your farthest ultra, and you've got to come up with strategies to overcome them. So I believe in you and you should believe in you too, as hard as you possibly can. Okay, so I'm on this mission 
to help 10,000 women run their first 50K. And in order to do that, I've tried to put together some stuff that I wish I had had when I first started my ultra journey. And that first thing that I wished I had had was a training plan. So I made this 10 week training plan. It's actually the first 10 weeks of my signature 50K training plan that outlines what to do and when to do it, including running and strength training and mobility. So if that's sort of your sticking point where you need help, just go to my website, megan-gould.com forward slash 10 week plan, the number 10 week plan. It's all one word. And you can download that spreadsheet that will sort of outline that for you. The next thing I wish that I had understood back in the day when I first started was the importance of daily movement. So what I did was put together what I call a daily shakedown. It's a movement routine that sort of walks you through the the process of a head to toe shakedown, okay, that will help you to warm up for your run, but also just generally feel better in your body as you move throughout the day. You don't have to do any yoga or be flexible to do this, but what you do need is a desire to run with fewer aches and pains. So go to my website, again, megan-gould.com, and up at the top, there's um, a header that says daily shakedown. Click on that and I'll send it to you, all right? And then the last thing is, if you'd like to get some more personalized coaching, then I have this thing called Run Your First 50K. It's probably right up your alley. It's a six-week group coaching program where I teach you everything that you need to know to successfully navigate your first 50K, all right? So head over to runyourfirst50k.com to get all the information and to apply for the next round of the program. And that the next round actually starts September 26. So it's coming up here pretty quick. If over the course of the last year or so, I shared something that helped you to run your first 50K, I would love, love, love to hear about it. So if you go to my website, megan-school.com, and you click on 10K women at the top of the page, this is where you can write in and tell me about your first 50K experience. And I would be honored to include you in my 10,000 women project. All right, you guys, that's all for this episode. Remember, believe hard. Enjoy this beat, and I'll see you all soon.